0: Reason from Fight Aging and Fawcett Senior Fellow joins us to answer questions from our biotech and health extension group about how to best fight aging. As author of Fight Aging, he's written pretty valuable resources for newcomers to get onboarded to the longevity field. In this episode, he gives an appetizer. You can find written summaries of this meeting on our biotech page at Fawcett.org, and you can apply to join this group and its discussions. If you enjoy this episode and you know one or two people who may do so too, Then please help us reach more people by sharing the podcast either personally or on social media. Enjoy. What I'm
1: going to do today is uh, go over the basics of atherosclerosis and then talk um, a little bit about what we're doing at Repair Biotechnologies uh, to try to defeat atherosclerosis. Um, And you need a little bit of the grasp of the basics to understand, you know, why what we're doing is very novel. Um, at a big departure from the past, and also very likely to solve the problem so um the very very basics what is atherosclerosis? i mean on the right this is this is the traditional view of what is going on in your body as you get older your your arteries are gathering this gunk uh which which doesn 't just narrow it contrary to this this picture narrow and weaker. So as you get older and the gunk gets sloppier and the arteries get more weakened, eventually either the gunk breaks up and flows somewhere and blocks something, or the artery just ruptures. Um, And either of those are obviously very horrible things. And the least you get away with when that happens is a severe embolism somewhere in your body. Um, And this kills a lot of people. In fact, it's it's the primary cause of death in our species. Um, and a number of other mammalian species. As a topic, this makes it very important. Um, but how bad really? Uh, and the how bad really is if you follow the World Health Organization uh, sort of category of how humans die, atherosclerosis is the cause of one and two, um, both of them, uh, 27% of everybody. This is actually an arguable number. Um, some people like to think that it's more like 44%. Um, and we can debate that other, that other 20% or so, but this is a terrible problem. It's a quarter of everybody. Uh, we should be doing an immensely more amount of stuff to try to deal with this problem than we are. But what is the real, what really is the cause of atherosclerosis? And, And one has to ask this because I know that everybody has this vague idea that it's, it's cholesterol. Um, and we'll, we'll get to why that is, but it's not really cholesterol it's macrophages. So your macrophage cells in tissue are derived in part from um, from the monocytes that flow around your bloodstream looking for problems. And when they find a problem, which is that the the wall of your blood vessel is unhappy for various reasons, they dive in and they try to fix things. Um, And the thing that they're trying to fix here is that you have a bunch of gunk Sitting in, your, sitting in your blood vessel wall that needs to be ingested and thrown back into the bloodstream so it can go back to the liver. And unfortunately, as you grow older, macrophages become increasingly incapable at dealing with this problem. And what you get is on the right is macrophages that become foam cells because they're completely overwhelmed by cholesterol because they've stopped being able to process it properly. And then from there, it just gets worse and worse and more pathological, and the, uh, the smooth muscle gets involved. And basically, you get into the, the plaque situation, as shown in the, the yellow here. But the root of this is the macrophages. When you're young, macrophages work just fine. Your blood vessels are not covered in plaque. Uh, when you're old, they are. And that is entirely down to the macrophages just, just not being able to do their jobs anymore. So why do the macrophages stop being able to do their jobs? Um, In order to understand that, one has to look a little bit about cholesterol transport in the body. And the first thing to recognize about cholesterol um, is that it really isn't created or destroyed um, all that much. It's certainly excreted and ingested, but cells don't break down or convert or get rid of the cholesterol they don't want locally. They hand it off. Um, they take it up when they need it. They don't manufacture it and they hand it off to other, other cells and other parts of the system when they no longer need it, uh, because cholesterol is expensive to create. So for the first, to a first approximation, setting aside the central nervous system, which does its own thing, um, cholesterol is created in the liver. It gets stuck onto LDL particles, low density lipoproteins. It goes into the bloodstream. It gets stuck in a blood vessel wall. The macrophages eat it and then throw it back into the bloodstream to attach it to HDL particles so it can flow back to the liver. And, you know, LDL particles and HDL particles do much the same thing when you're young and old. It's the macrophages that are the problem. They, they stop doing their job. So why exactly do macrophages stop doing their job? Um, there are a variety of issues. Um, firstly, systemic inflammation. A macrophage cell is an innate immune cell and it does respond to the inflammatory state of the environment when you're older you have systemic inflammation throughout your body and therefore more macrophages are going to become you're going to listen to that and become m1 macrophages which are out there hunting down pathogens and generally being aggressive and contributing even more to the inflammatory state what you want in your in your blood vessel walls are m2 macrophages that actually dampen inflammation and do the reverse cholesterol transport where they suck in the the gunk that's in your artery walls and and throw it back into the bloodstream. Um, But the more inflamed you are, the less of that is going on. Secondly, oxidative stress, which is the presence of too many oxidizing molecules in your system. Um, This is a result of both inflammation and uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, um, whereby your, uh, your mitochondria are generating a bunch of reactive molecules and cells are generating too many reactive molecules and uh, it goes hand in hand with inflammation to a certain degree. But what happens is cholesterols become altered and the LDL particles that carry them become oxidized. And these things are toxic to macrophages. They hate them. Um, so you get a selection effect where your plaques are gradually becoming more and more toxic to macrophages and, and it just gets it just kills the macrophages that come in. Lastly, too much cholesterol. Uh, which is probably the least important in normal um, normal people uh, extremely overweight people and people with very high levels of cholesterol for genetic for due to genetic conditions there 's a level at which just too much cholesterol overwhelms your macrophage um, and if you go back to here this mentions oxidized LDL because macrophages love it they they want to eat as much of it as they can uh, the more oxidized LDL you have the more likely it is that your macrophages are going to pick up totally overwhelmed by the cholesterol that's in the environment um, without having to have an overall high level of cholesterol. So um, what this leads to is you get a feedback loop, uh, which causes plaques to grow. A plaque is an inflammatory, horrible, toxic environment. The macrophage comes in there, it becomes a foam cell. It says, help, help, send more macrophages, then it dies. So you have this positive feedback loop of growth which is based on killing macrophages. Your plaques are a macrophage graveyard. That's really what most of it is, dead macrophages. Um, and that is, that is the underlying problem that causes atherosclerosis. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, there's an entire research community and enormous pharmaceutical concerns and whatnot focused on purely lowering LDL cholesterol only. Just, just taking that part of cholesterol transport from the liver out to the rest of your body and turning it down. Less LDL, um, less LDL cholesterol. Now this probably helps a little in the sense that you're reducing oxidized LDL, you're reducing altered cholesterols ending up in the um in the plaques, and you're lower giving giving your macrophages a little bit more breathing room. Uh, but frankly it doesn't work enough. Um, we've demonstrated, we, the research community, have demonstrated that um, if you If you really, really aggressively lower LDL cholesterol to 10% of human normal, um, you're still not going to stop people dying. You can't get the plaques to reverse. The existing plaques are still sitting there being macrophage graveyards and calling in new macrophages. Taking away the input of cholesterol at that point doesn't help. So there's a whole bunch of fascinating stuff that's gone on in this LDL lowering industry and continues to go on. Um, a lot of it is presently based on mutants who over a lifetime have, have a dramatically lower risk of cardiovascular disease, which is great. I mean, if you have low LDL cholesterol, like really, really low LDL cholesterol over an entire lifetime, like 80 years, you're going to have half of the risk of dying of cardiovascular disease. But if you're trying to make a therapy out of that and you're giving it to someone for two months, this really doesn't work very well. Um, it's, it's just not as good. And they really don't do more than statins do, the old standard of drugs that lower LDL cholesterol, the small molecule stuff. So as a result of this huge focus on decades of controlling LDL cholesterol reflexively to the point where a physician will just not even engage brain and prescribe statins as soon as somebody turns up over the age of 60 and or with even slightly raised LDL cholesterol It's still the case that atherosclerosis kills that 27% of everybody. Um, And the drugs that we use only achieve a 10 to 20% mortality reduction. And there's definitely a heretic community in the research field who will debate that 10 to 20% number and say that that's probably not true because any number of trials have been conducted in which they did not achieve that level of mortality reduction in humans. Question? Yeah.
2: And that heretic community, which I wanted to ask you about, because I'm arguably adjacent to them, um, they would also bring up that there are downsides to statins. So that even if there's There's a 10% reduction in atherosclerosis, there's not a 10% reduction in overall mortality or quality of life.
1: The side effect of high-dose statins are really, really bad. Um, for a large number of patients, you, and you know, even moderate dose statins, you have a a percentage of the patient population that's probably under 20. I'm I'm not sure what the number actually is, but it's about there uh, who just can't use statins because they they just it just isn't good for them. Further, whatever you do with blood cholesterol, if you have lipid laden soft plaque, uh, there just really aren't many good options. Um, getting rid of those plaques just isn't isn't on the table. Uh, there really isn't much you can do. So we need a better way of going forward and yet and yet if you look at like you know what is the, what are the latest three billion dollar companies um, that are out there just going public, what are they doing? They're lowering LDL cholesterol. If you look at like the latest therapies where they're planning to charge half a million dollars a year um, for these for these high-tech therapies, what are those therapies doing? They're finding new ways to lower LDL cholesterol. It's not a good environment. What are the alternatives? So let's start with the ones that don't work. Um, as, you, as you might recall, I, I mentioned you know inflammation. It's a big problem here. Uh, but if you reduce inflammation systemically using the approaches that are available now, studies suggest that you get about the same benefit as you do from lowering LDL cholesterol, which isn't to say that somebody couldn't come up with a way of doing this better and in a more targeted fashion that actually works for some definition of works but the tools that are available to reduce systemic inflammation is not they're pretty blunt right now and they just don't do enough i think there was a study i was looking at recently which short showed an 8% um, sort of reversal of plaque uh, which just isn't isn't good enough um, so alternative number 2 which seems much more much better you know as soon as you're as soon as you go your ceiling on much better is mice So reverse cholesterol transport is the part where your macrophage sucks up the cholesterol, hands it off to the bloodstream. And there's a number of genes that are involved in this, this, this sort of block diagram here. These, if we imagine these blue things are macrophages, what they're doing is they, they use ABCA1 to hand off to an HDL particle initially. And then ABCG1 helps you add more cholesterol to the particle. The particle heads back to the liver where it's picked up and excreted into, um, into, and, you know, ejected from the body. This is where anything you do, pretty much anything you do in mice to make one part of the system or more parts of the system work better. Uh, you can upregulate ABCA1, you can put more HDL particles, you can make macrophages consume more cholesterol. It all works great in mice. You, some of the methods have achieved 50% reversal of plaque lipids, um, which is amazing and should cor- correspond to roughly a 50% reduction in mortality. Uh every time they tried to do something in humans, it failed. Um, There's a whole list of clinical trials that have failed over the last 20 years trying to improve reverse cholesterol transport with things that work really well in mice. So what that tells us is that we do not understand something very important about the way in which cholesterol transport is rate limited in its different steps in humans versus in mice. Um, So anybody trying to do something here, I wish them luck. Uh, But the odds are not good based on based on historical uh, historical efforts so my position our position at repair is and the position of a number of other people is that the true path forward is stop macrophages exploding the world make them resilient to the environment they find them in in old tissues so if they can just be made to not do the crazy things they do um when they're exposed to, you know, oxidized cholesterols and LDL particles and, and systemic inflammation, then great. In theory, if they can keep doing what they did when they were useful, they will just dismantle plaque over time. And atherosclerosis will reverse because that's what these cells are meant to do. And it's what they do do if they're not being, um, if they're not being trammeled by, by the circumstances of being old. So there's been a number of, people trying this. Some of it hasn't made it very far. Some of it's quite interesting, and sometimes there's an overlap between those two. There was a recent paper in which uh, the hypothesis of the effect they showed is that um, if you target lysosomes in macrophages with uh, antioxidants, it prevents the oxidized LDL particles from messing things up. And therefore, these more cells, more macrophages are doing their job and this has been shown to reverse plaque by 50% in a mouse model, it's entirely possible that their hypothesis is wrong and that delivering the antioxidants is improving something else in the picture. But it's certainly something that self-experimenters should pay attention to because these antioxidants are easily available. Um, secondly, there's the underdog pharmaceuticals approach, which is to sequester seven keto cholesterol, which is a highly toxic altered cholesterol uh, which which is um, thought to be important in um, in atherosclerosis, but the only real way to test that is to feed the drugs to humans. Unfortunately, because mice just don't um, mice just aren't on big on having enough seven keto cholesterol to to make a difference here. So we'll see how they do. I hope it works. Um, and lastly, there's our approach, which is um, to genetically engineer macrophages. To give them the ability to degrade in situ any excess cholesterol they encounter, whether or not it's altered. So I'm going to talk about that a little, because obviously that's what I know the most about. Um, it's a it's a really interesting it's a really interesting approach. So if you remember one thing about the company name here, it's repair. Uh, if you're going to address something in aging, you better be better be repairing something. If you can't point to something that you're actually repairing, a form of damage, a form of dysfunction, and you can clearly say, I am fixing this, then uh, you might not be doing the right thing. So obviously, we're currently working with an investment bank to, uh, to do a clinical raise, and uh, that requires me to show you things like this, which I'm sure you've seen before. Um, the future is hard to predict. We're not trying to. In summary... What we're doing is um, taking a stepwise approach to it, take this approach of allowing macrophages to select grade cholesterol and stepwise approaching the various uh, atherosclerosis conditions in order of patient number of patients. So you start off uh, attacking an orphan condition, homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, then you go into the larger, the larger patient groups as you gain experience um, in doing this. And unlike most therapies... Uh, we can actually apply ourselves to any form of atherosclerosis, whether or not it's genetic. We don't care how you got the plaques. We just break them down. So what we're approaching as our lead therapy, um, we've also, we've done AAV. We've demonstrated that AAV delivery of our cholesterol degrading protein has a very large effect, um, 48% in a month, which is really big in the scheme of things in, um, in comparison to other other approaches. But our goal is to produce um, a universal macrophage cell therapy. Um, and I'll explain a little bit. We can talk about, I won't go over that again. Let's, let's start with the, um, but that atherosclerosis is, um, is, as I said, it's, this is the simplified view. Atherosclerosis is basically the encounter of an aged macrophage with cholesterol, at which point you get a lot of cell death and cholesterol based plaque, um, primarily because normal macrophages can't do anything with excess cholesterol. If you overwhelm their existing systems for trying to get rid of it by handing it off to HDL particles, you're done. You get a foam cell. Um, There's no way for it to inherently deal with this degree of cholesterol. And with this picture in mind, the whole spectrum of LDL cholesterol-lowering drugs, and that's sort of a, a list right there, really only lowers the input to the problem. Um, and they can't lower it infinitely because the macrophage is in the plaque. It's not in the bloodstream, and the plaque is packed full of cholesterol and toxic, horrible nastiness. So you're not really getting a great deal of boost out of out of lowering the input from the bloodstream. Your problem is that the plaque is sitting there, um, and you can't reverse it by doing this LDL cholesterol-lowering business. You still have macrophages exposed to excess cholesterol and becoming horrible foam cells and dying and the horrible foam cell dying leading to your plaque um gives you this this point that has to be made to a lot of people unfortunately which is your risk of death is not due to ldl cholesterol it's due to how much plaque you have it's exactly how much plaque you have and how much high risk plaque which with the soft plaque which determines your 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 mortality LDL cholesterol, while it's been widely accepted as a surrogate marker, now is just irrelevant. It's not. It's not the cause of your death, um, and that's why different people can have different levels of cholesterol in their bloodstream and have quite divergent mortality risks. It's because of the plaque, the stadio macrophages, um, not the LDL cholesterol. And the fact that it is the plaques is why we have this list of drugs, starting with the ultra cheap. I'm heading up to the ultra expensive, which frankly are probably not much better than the PCSK9 inhibitors, um, because lowering cholesterol can do exactly this. It can reduce your mortality by probably 20% at most. Um, it doesn't matter how much you pay a big farmer, it's, it's still going to be 20% at most because the mechanism is exactly the same. Uh, and it has exactly the effect it has on, on your macrophage health. So the point of the exercise is what should we do differently? And what we should do differently is make macrophages invulnerable to the plaque-based environment as, as best we can. And our idea of as best you can is you give a macrophage the capability to break down cholesterol safely locally. Um, and I should say that this is not a trivial thing to do, because a cell is basically, you know, an enormous lump of cholesterol. It, it uses cholesterols everywhere in the cell membrane. The reason why we never evolved to break down cholesterol when it's harming us is that cells are, are they have cholesterol everywhere. They use it um, for for membranes. So you couldn't evolve something that just randomly went out there and and just chewed up cholesterol when it didn't, when it saw it. Um, and that's why delivering things like cyclodextrins as underdog is working on is not quite simple either, because, you know, the first thing that will happen if you dump a bunch of cyclodextrins into somebody is their blood turns to mush, because it will consume all your blood cells, um, hook all the cholesterol out of their walls. Uh, the underdog has a way around that, but it's still, you know, they have to be careful about what they're doing. So the, the, the objective here is a safe. Um, way of breaking down cholesterol, but only the excess cholesterol, which is what we achieve via the specific mechanisms we we put into these cells. Now, we can demonstrate that we can put these mechanisms into any old cell, and the output is exactly the same. We get a catabolite that is safe and and more soluble and leaves the cell and is broken down in the bloodstream and got rid of very quickly. It doesn't matter what cell we put it into. 293Ts are workhorse cells that researchers use. U937s are human macrophage, an immortalized line. You get exactly the same output. Uh, And in fact, for any other type of cell we care to do this with. It's a technology that can be applied pretty much anywhere. Now, what this means is that we can take macrophages and raw 264s are a mouse line, an immortalized mouse line of macrophage-like cells. And we can give them the ability to express our CDP proteins. And what happens is if you dump cholesterol on them, um, the unmodified ones become very unhappy. And the green there is um, is basically foam cell uh, behavior, where they're, they're sticking this, this cholesterol inside them and becoming pathogenic and um, inflammatory and unhappy. On the right, very little of that. Um, the CDP cells just eat the cholesterol and get rid of it. And that's exactly what we want because these cells are competent. The ones on the left not competent. And what you want is competent macrophages in your plaque. So our proof of concept with AAB, we delivered um, a very high dose of AAB to uh, to mice, atherosclerotic mice, um, and you can see the difference left and right um, between the controls and the treated. Red is basically plaque, lipid laden plaque, and these are cross sections of the aortic root the little fiddly bits in the middle of valves. um, And we got something like a 50% reduction in a month following a single treatment. This is a very powerful effect. Um, We have quite a sizable impact on the way this functions. So going forward, what we're doing um, right now, actually, we're injecting mice, or we've been injecting mice with these cells over the last month. We hope to have some data by the end of the year. Um, We we take iPSCs. from mice or humans, uh, we have partners that we work with who provide us with um, with well characterized human lines. The lines are are disrupted in a certain way to make them universal. You get rid of the markers on the surface that that, that make them recognized as foreign, so you can introduce these cells. Um, and if you look at Things such as what SANA has been doing recently, they've delivered universal iPSCs into non-human primates and shown they produce no meaningful immune reaction. So this is a very important technology because it means you can make off-the-shelf cells. You can get one line of universal macrophages that we differentiate ourselves from these universal cells and which express CDP. Um, And this is the way you produce a cost-effective cell therapy that will be at the same level of expense as today's, you know, first-generation stem cell therapies that are derived from um, very prevalent sources. And then what we do with this is we stepwise go deal with the orphan indication of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, which has very few patients, and the FDA will give you a much easier time of it because it's, um, it's an orphan indication. Then you go to the one where you have a million patients who have heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, which is that they have one of the genes in their chromosomes mutated, not both. Um, These guys almost have a worse time of it in the sense that they're often discovered late. And when they're discovered late, they have very heavy plaque, um, dangerous plaque, and their life expectancy is just not great. I mean, these guys, obviously not good at all to have a life expectancy of 33 years, but these guys are the sort of people who suddenly die in their 50s um or late 40s and then later we want to take this to um and by this point we're talking about an industry not just a company we want to take it to high risk subpopulations of atherosclerosis people who have detected in scans um high risk plaque uh, that will kill them um and ultimately we think that you could take you can take um you know the bite the largest lion's share of that 27 percent, and you can use a technology such as ours To completely remove that cause of death from humanity how long that's going to take who knows but um, that first most highest risk population that can be identified via scanning technologies that's where we start so our pipeline you know i just told you looks much like this the market size is increasingly enormous and this 22 billion is probably an underestimate so you know me um you guys have yet to meet more or with conferences not being in session for the last, you know, the last 18 months. But as soon as conferences are up and around again, you guys will have a chance to meet Morad, our uh, chief scientific officer. He's a good friend of the inventor of the technology and very familiar with the, uh, the atherosclerosis space. Um, you all know Bill, of course, and Bobby Kahn is an atherosclerosis-focused um, physician who acts as our chief medical officer and has taken drugs through the FDA, which is an essential experience. Um, we have a great, Scientific Advisory Board, um, Richard Honkannon invented this technology. I think many of you know Graham, um, a feature of our, our community. If you're dealing with macrophages, you need to have immunology expertise. They're, they're ornery little cells to work with. And of course, we keep people around to keep us advised on, our, on cardiovascular and liver physiology for all the obvious reasons. So as I mentioned, we're raising aggressively um, right now. We are working with an investment bank to get a $20 million round together to fund our path to, to IND for homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. And I should say that as this is going on, we're very happy to raise from um, from angels, via safe note, in order to extend our runway. And uh, I know that those of you here who are already investors, we've already talked to you about that. Those of you who aren't our investors, if this intrigues you, by all means, reach out to me. Um We're online, repair biotechnologies, just send us a message and we're happy to talk. So that, in a nutshell, is that. And the one last thing I should probably say is that if you want to look for a comparison to us-ish, Verve Therapeutics, um, who are only dealing with familial hypercholesterolemia and are only lowering LDL cholesterol and yet have a valuation of $3 billion we think we're a lot better than they are. And with that, thank you guys. I'll take questions.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Reason. Um Okay, this was uh, brilliant. Uh, we have the first question from Ravi, uh, and then we have one from Mika, which I'll read out. And this is just to say, if you want to ask a question too, post it in the chat or even raise your hand and uh, and we'll get to you. Okay. Thank you. Ravi, you're first. Um, hi, yeah, thanks. Um, so, uh,
2: You mentioned briefly, but I had a question about cyclodextrin, just how that compared with what you were looking at. You mentioned a little bit that it was perhaps indiscriminate.
1: Um, Normal cyclodextrins bind cholesterol and are indiscriminate, which is why their their dose-limiting toxicity is that initially you lose the hair cells in your ear because for whatever reason they're very sensitive to having the cholesterol hooked out of their membranes. And the next thing that happens if you keep increasing the dose is that your blood turns too much. Um, so nobody really looked much after what happens at that point. But uh, the the underdog team have, I believe, engineered their cyclodextrin to preferentially bind only seven keto cholesterol, which should greatly reduce its um, its toxicity and allow them to dose at levels where you can get rid of a significant amount of of seven keto cholesterol, at which point that's a great test of how important is seven keto cholesterol to atherosclerosis. If that answered the question. Yeah, thank you. Okay. And I think uh, Micah had asked are there risks yeah. of applying this to everyone? Um, it's a cost uh, it's a cost question actually. Uh, if you look at the cost of of cell therapy, once you crushed it down using a universal cell line, you're looking at you know um, something under ten thousand dollars, I would imagine. Um, and cell therapies at the moment, and the first generation stem cell therapies, those things are a few thousand dollars if you get a good provider, um, and they're in that range, a few thousand to ten thousand. And the first thing that any BC will tell you is you're crazy if you think you're going to treat. 100,000 people with something that costs $10,000. This isn't going to happen. They don't want to hear that. Um, so you really need to take that sort of therapy and um, apply it to the highest risk patient groups first. Um, and that needs to be your plan. Now, later on in the science world of the 2030s, once we've had 20 years of having a therapy that everybody wants to use, maybe we can crush it down to the point at which you can treat everybody. I would certainly hope
0: so. Lovely. We have Quian, then Luke, and then Kaliban.
2: Oh, hi. Yeah, thanks. Um, So, gosh, I would love to have an hour or two worth of conversation with you because I've studied this topic a lot. But I'm going to just ask, for starters, one thing, which is where do you come down on the role of coronary artery calcium and the possibility of regressing it
1: right i think that's that's funnily that's a totally separate topic i feel there was a um there was a really good paper recently that that reviewed um the the biomarker relevance of coronary artery calcification testing versus do should we be actually be looking at plaque they found a great correlation But these are really two separate processes. I mean, obviously there's interaction in the underlying cause of them. If one believes that calcification is an inflammation-related topic, largely, um, certainly there's good evidence for senescent cells to be important in calcification. But this is sort of a, it's a thing that happens in parallel with, with whatever else is going on with the formation of atherosclerotic plaque. They're two separate Two separate things that end up making each other worse in the sense of, are you more likely to have a catastrophic outcome as a result of either of these? Um, yes, because they're both going at the same time, but I think they, they need to be dealt with in very, in quite separate ways because they're, um, they're very separate problems, unless you're really looking at the root, root causes, such as inflammation. There was a way to stop all older people having rise in oxidative stress and rise in inflammation. Maybe you'd have a whole lot less of both
2: but for entirely different reasons. May I ask a follow-up, Allison? Go ahead. Okay, thanks. Um, Okay, I I thought that calcium was like the end phase. Like plaque is a, there's a whole cascade process from a wounded artery to plaque to different things. You just do, you know, macrophages, plaque, and then calcification is the end state. Am I wrong about that? It's not, that that happens in plaque because plaques are hugely inflammatory.
1: So whatever calcification processes exist, you're going to get more of them in that vicinity. Um, but you also get calcification without plaque. Um, if, you, if you go get if you're over age 50 and go get a scan of your lower body, you're probably going
2: to see plaque in your, uh, in your legs. Not plaque, sorry, calcification. Oh, really? Okay, well, that's, I mean, you're mostly talking about c h d are you not or are you talking about um cardio uh, are you talking about circulatory disease in general
1: well in general like how how much
2: calcification is going on in your arteries um no but i mean it's it's your product and your company oriented you towards coronary artery disease or general circulatory disease oh everything we're we're introducing macrophages so you know they go everywhere.
1: So we're interested in the effects, not I mean, obviously you measure the outcome in um, in coronary arteries, because that's where you can measure the outcome. Um you but you expect you expect atherosclerosis to have a meaningful effect in terms of small vessels as well. Uh and certainly while it's harder to tell what's going on in there, we expect the macrophages
2: to be heading off there to do their job as well. Okay. Thank you. Great. Luke. Hi. Um uh, it's two parts one is um about the t- technology one was more about the business so uh is, is it something where you need to um have therapy regularly to remove the plaques or once the cells are introduced do they just live inside uh, you for the rest of your life and continue cleaning up your plaques and then uh the question if if question on that is if it's uh if you do have to keep doing it uh if they do live inside you for that long, are there any risks of, uh since you have something that is genetically modified problems that are very, very long term? Uh second part is how did you start the company? How did what did, how did you get the the idea? How, how did you meet the people? Um, and then what are the long term goals of it?
1: Um well the second part, you can blame Aubrey de Gray for that, as you can blame him for a lot of things. He actually Of course I've been reflecting
2: on that as you've been speaking, yes.
1: <laughs> I, I, he 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 um uh, introduced us to Richard Honkannon, um, and knowing that I'd been very interested in this this part of the field for a while, and it kind of went from there because it was obviously too great not to do. And we said we said to the university folk, "Give us a great deal, and we'll prove that this works in mice, or doesn't work as the case may be." And that's what we did. So the first part, um,
2: the the so matter started so- as a uh- I' am sorry I'm to that people you uh, rich was at the university
1: yeah he's still there um he
2: works at the uh Got it. and continuing to do it and 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 was he originally doing this work or were were you, you did, did you convince him to do the work like
1: what was yeah that? he originally did this work he found he it's actually not his wheelhouse his wheelhouse is molecular biology of certain aspects of um of yeah. cell behavior and that led him to, oh, wait, we can use this to cure atherosclerosis. Cool. And hence, he came and presented at um, an undoing aging a while back, and from there, it was sort of inevitable that I would end up talking to him. In any case, the first, the first part of your your question, macrophages have a lifespan, um, a few months. So if you if you put monocytes... Into into the bloodstream when they go to plaques, you're looking at a treatment that's going to last for a few months. The question of how often do you have to do it is a you know let's say that's a biodistribution dose response type of um, evaluation that we are we couldn't tell you um, what we would like to have the outcome be is that you take this therapy at most once every few years, while scans show that you are you are in need of it. We don't intend to replace the, the, the presence of, um, LDL lowering drugs, um, for those people who can take them. Um, and certainly that would be a hard job because they're very entrenched, but there's an awful lot, the remaining 80% of excess mortality due to cardiovascular disease that is there to be dealt with. Um, and that's what we will, that's what we will do. And what's your long-term goal with the company? The long-term goal here, well, as I'm sure many of you know, I have a a million things I'd love to do. I would love to take this company public um, on the strength of this, and from there have it become an umbrella company that does many other things. Whether or not that um, whether or not that is uh, the fate of repair, who knows? But I would very much like to to pick up our program on the thymus again and do many other things once we've. Once we've proven that we can do this and we have access to public funds and the public markets, there there are a lot of other things we can take up and uh, move along. Well, oh, thank you.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. We have Caliban next. Okay, you are here. You want to ask it? Do you want to unmute yourself and ask it?
1: Otherwise, I'll do it. I think I found it. Three, two, one. Um, M1, M2 dichotomy. Would we maintain that, that the M1-M2 dichotomy is useful? So um, macrophages, like all cells, are state machines and they live, on a, they live in a state space. So when people say, well, your macrophages are M1 or they're M2, where M1 is inflammatory and horrible and useful for pathogens, and M2 is anti-inflammatory and um, reparative in the sense that it participates in tissue maintenance more. This is sort of, obviously, this is this is slicing your very complicated state space into a big buckets and saying, yep, this thing's in the bucket, where it's not a switch. It's not like, you know, it's it's a way you are in a complicated space of tendencies. Are you expressing some things more than other things? But um, I think it's useful because you can clearly go take a bunch of macrophages and stick them into a flow cytometer and stain for, you know, and stain for various... Um, Surface markers and you will get quite clear distributions, um, that are sort of M1-ish and M2-ish. And of course, you know, 10, maybe 10% of them are off doing something weird that's M1 or M2 or even something completely different like M0. I, I think it's useful in the sense that there are ways to push macrophages in one way or another. Um, and you're really dealing with aggregates. You're not, if you have an individual cell, good luck. Uh, that was not a research project you should have undertaken. Uh, You you should be thinking more about aggregates of macrophages and what the aggregate behavior is. And that's really the best you can do. But it is a useful, it's a useful
0: model. Lovely, we have Cosmo and then Creon.
3: Well, I I had one question, but now I've got two questions since you're talking about macrophage polarization. Uh, It just so happens that macrophages are from the same lineage, cells in the bone, that through polarization states regulate the deposition of calcium. Is there any evidence that that is the, is the same mechanism by which calcium is being deposited in the arterial plaques?
1: I don't recall. I thought that was more of a smooth muscle problem. Um, you're, you're convincing smooth muscle cells to start behaving like bone cells through inflammatory signaling, or at least that's my recollection of the literature I've read on that topic.
3: Gotcha. And second question briefly, do we, do we know what the precise mechanism by which oxidized LDL causes them to die? And this is related to cal- uh, cholesterol crystals.
1: Yeah, we actually that that's a that's a good one. And if you go read the average review paper on LDL cholesterol, it will not offer an opinion on that. Uh, <laughs> so I think the I think that's very much up for um, up for grabs. The that antioxidant paper that I mentioned, in which they target antioxidants the lysosome and see effects, is and and you know obviously they take a bunch of um, of cells in a dish and shove oxidized you know shove oxidized LDL particles into them and show that they go to the lysosome uh, and the cells become dysfunctional Hmm. so something something lysosome overwhelmed you know that that's that's well known to be a problem in aging in general in long-lived cells whether some version of that is happening in in macrophages yeah who knows Um, our our take is that uh, that may not be as important as the fact that you have These oxidized LDL particles being taken up aggressively through scavenger receptors by macrophages. So it's not necessarily the LDL um, that's—it's the oxidized LDL particles themselves. It may just be a matter that now you're dragging in more cholesterol than you can handle. That Uh,
3: scavenger receptor that you mentioned is the same gene in bone that regulates calcium deposition. It's something that I've been trying to figure out for a while now. We should talk.
2: (laughs) Right, evolution loves reuse.
1: Yes. Um, any more questions?
2: Yeah, I, I've got one. Um, thanks again. Um, okay, I don't mean to be too uh, theoretical here, but I thought that at least for coronary heart disease, uh, HDL to total cholesterol, and HDL to LDL, and HDL to try triglyceride is a much better predictor of disease than just LDL levels. Now, ox-LDL is another thing that's obviously good for Victor. Do you, have a, do you care about that?
1: Um, not really. Uh, I think like the evidence suggests that doing things with HDL doesn't work in humans. It doesn't, it doesn't help the problem. Uh, okay, we should distinguish between, okay, what happens over your lifetime in response to your ratio between LDL and HDL? Because obviously over a lifetime, you're adding up this sort of, you know, what, what's the balance of your cholesterol transport? in the body. And in theory, more HDL is, is going to be good. And in practice it looks like more HDL is is good. Um but that's not the same as what can you do for therapy where you're operating in a fairly short timeframe. Um and in that case I think the clinical trials of the last like, you know, 20 years have, have really shut the door on let's put more HDL in there in humans. Because it doesn't work. Uh, and in terms of, and in terms of lowering LDL cholesterol, great. You get the aforementioned 20% at best mortality reduction. And clearly that's not the solution to the problem either. Once you have clocks, they will kill you. They will continue growing. It doesn't matter what you do to
2: HDL and LDL. La- last question here, um, for me. I was a little unclear on your position on systematic inflammation. It seemed like sometimes you say inflammation is the thing which is driving uh, the trouble. On the other hand, I thought it was a slide where you were like, "Well, it, reducing inflammation has failed."
1: Um, both. It's it's okay. it's clearly a contribution because you can look at humans again, distinguishing the over time versus how do you fix the problem. Two separate, two totally separate considerations. Over time, more inflammation clearly you are going to die sooner of atherosclerosis. Uh, uh, you know, over, over years and decades, the, the, if you're trying to fix the problem and reverse plaque, reducing inflammation just doesn't seem to help that much because you're, again, the problem is that the plaque is sitting there being, being inflamed and, um, and full of garbage and toxic
2: and macrophages just can't deal with it. It doesn't, I think there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things people can do with like lifestyle interventions and drugs to stop or slow, the progress of the disease. But in terms of reversing the disease with a short-term intervention, that's what you're looking at and that's a whole another kettle of fish.
1: A, a whole, that's a whole different kettle of fish. And it's really, my opinion is that the whole community diving in on these human mutants who have low cardiovascular disease, that that's, that, that's just never going to work. It's a huge red herring, a waste of time. And um, the only thing they're going to get out of that is more LDL-lowering drugs that have the distinguishing feature of being vastly more expensive than previous LDL lowering drugs, and I should say those two things are actually a virtue in some circles because it's easier to make profits off that uh, we have one more question here which was why not shut down the mechanism driving macrophage invasion of cardiovascular tissue uh, and you know if, if you do that then you're never getting rid of those plaques because nobody else is going to um, in theory we could give every cell the ability to degrade cholesterol um, and and shut down the macrophage invasion. But why do that if you're already making the macrophages good?
2: Isn't that also a problem in the sense that some of these processes, which turn into chronic disease progression, are actually useful in a healthy person in acute cases of like infection or injury. And so you don't want to shut Definitely. them. Down.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, which is another reason to favor the sort of thing that we're doing, which is an enhancement. Um which does not otherwise change the way things work, other than just letting them work. Great talk. Thanks.
0: Okay. Uh just checking that Cosmo, is your question answered, or do you want to ask that to reason? I assume I take this as it's <laughs> answered. If not, then please let me know. But reason, uh, I cannot oh wait, there's another one uh in the chat. Reason I'm gonna therapy. Um, in
1: principle, I think so. Um, with the no, with
0: the caveat that
1: gene therapies are really hard to target properly. Um, not just not just from the point of view of how are you connecting it to only express in the cells that you want it to express in, but also how do you get it to where those cells are? Macrophages are just everywhere. You really want to get the macrophages that are in plaque, which means you need to target blood vessel walls. But then you also have the other fifty percent of macrophages that are sitting in your um, Sitting in your spleen that you probably want to get, you could take the approach of targeting hematopoietic stem cells and in the in the in the case that nobody would ever want to do, you could do a hematopoietic stem cell transplant um such that you know you get um, genetically engineered immune cells, and in those immune cells only macrophages express the genes of interest, but of course, nobody's ever going to go for that, and certainly the fDA would say we would would laugh at you if you tried to propose. Um, treating atherosclerosis in this day and age by um, by giving people hematopoietic stem cell transplants i don't think that's gonna so in principle yes um in practice probably not um, a viable
3: approach
0: you're getting a thumbs up and cosmos back
3: yeah reason you you inspired an idea that i've just never considered before um we know that the oxidized ldl goes to the lysosome but i'm wondering does it go to the lysosome's membrane
1: that's a good question. I'm really not very familiar with the precise details of that. I was reading up on that most recently um, in connection with, the, um, with, with that paper that was very recently published. As I, as I said, our, our take on that is more that it's, it's more to do, likely more to do, since we get great results, it's likely more to do with um, the OxLDL being an additional source of cholesterol coming into the cell over and above what it would pick up normally so you're you're overwhelming the cell's ability to to deal with the cholesterol that it's intaking because the ox ldl is using a different set of receptors and gets taken up quite aggressively um and this is probably a consequence of oxidized ldl uh, actually binding to a receptor that isn't isn't for that quote unquote that is actually evolved for some other purpose um but we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting question. There's there's definitely more work to be done on on that. Yeah. With why oxidized LDL is bad?
3: I, I don't I don't know anything about lysosomal membranes, but I just I just plopped a photo of one in the. Oh, I gave it to Allison privately. Oops, let me repaste it. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing your scavenger receptor right in there. I wonder if it's not clogging the inside of the lysosome as much as it's clogging a receptor on the outside of the lysosome.
1: I mean, that's also possible. We know that lysosomal receptors are important for autophagy and other other aspects of cell function.
3: Yeah. Excellent talk as always. Okay. Well, no one's
0: here surprised. No, reason. you're not allowed to go yet. I have still one more question and which we try to always end uh, every one of these meetings. I I hope it will be fun. we just what could this group collectively do to further you and uh, your work? I know that you've talked a little bit about uh, that repair, I think, is uh, actively seeking investors, but could you be really precise? Of, like, you know, if anyone's super inspired by your work, what would they do to help you and your work flourish? Um, well,
1: I think go do, well, aside from throwing us vast amounts of money, uh, which obviously should go without saying, um, the, I think the best, the most interesting things that you could do are, are in the realm of self-experimentation. Um, with respect to what can one do with atherosclerosis. Uh, there's very little that one can do at the moment, but there, there are some interesting approaches uh, one can take, such as trying to get some idea as to the natokinase situation. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, that was the Chinese study that showed sort of 36% reversal of lesions after natokinase use for um, half a year. Um, and then somebody else published a three year study in the u s saying no, it doesn't happen at all um the u s study used a third of the dose of the Chinese study, so at the end of the day, you're left throwing up your hands and saying somebody needs to do another study so you know self experimenters can do this stuff it's It's pretty simple uh along those lines I think there's um I think there's a lot that can be done in order to help expand our knowledge around potential um potential therapies. That are not quite yet baked in terms of clinical trials and where we're really not going to see a lot more data anytime soon from the establishment. If you're interested in investing or just have questions about what we're doing, feel free to send me an email. Reason at repairbiotechnologies.com.
0: Did this conversation pique your interest? Maybe it even inspired a bit of existential hope about the future in you. Search for Fawcett Institute on YouTube or Twitter to stay up to date. Or visit Fawcett.org to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and join our efforts. We are entirely funded by your donations. So please support us if you like what we do. Thank you so much for listening.